I'd just uh, like to open the word of prayer, and then we'll start our service. Heavenly Father, Lord, we do thank you again for this wonderful privilege to be able to hear from your word again, Lord. Lord, we always try to learn more and more about you, Lord, and learn how to really trust and truly trust in you, not in our own selves and our own thinking. And Lord, I pray, Lord, that you'd prepare each and every one of our hearts here today, Lord, as we listen to this message and that you've given me to present before your people, Lord. I pray that you prepare each and everyone's heart here today, Lord, that their hearts may be open, they may understand the message. And as um, Brother Paul said, that it will sink deep into their hearts, and each and everyone's heart, including mine, that we may take hold of this and, take and claim it for ourselves. We do thank you again for this opportunity to learn more about you and the Lord Jesus Christ. I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. Today... I wanted to talk about a topic that affects every single person on earth. Every single one of us has been affected by this specific topic. And the topic is fear. I believe at this moment in time, it's really a good time to talk about this topic. Fear is currently spreading across the world due to the coronavirus. The World Health Organization warned <clears throat> on Friday that the window of opportunity, as they say, uh, to stem the deadly coronavirus outbreak was shrinking. New outbreaks are now taking place all around the world, and not just in China. New cases were reported in Israel and in Lebanon. In Iran, four people had died, and 18 had been infected. The, big, the biggest uh, infection rate is outside, outside of China is South Korea, and the infections have doubled to 204. In a small northern Italian town, there have been six cases of infections. In Codogna, a small town 60 kilometers southeast of Milan, there were 14 cases reported. As of Friday, midnight, there were 77,277 cases reported of the coronavirus. There have been 2,251 deaths and 18,928 recoveries. So of the, of the closed cases, of the cold closed cases with an outcome, 89% of people recovered and were discharged, but 11% died. So if you think about that, if you got the coronavirus, you have more than 10% chance of dying from it. In Ukraine, buses carrying evacuees from China on its way to uh, medical facilities, were attacked by protesters throwing rocks. Protesters said they feared the evacuees would carry their vir the virus and pose a threat to the community. We think about that, though. There's quite a lot of fear there. But what if they did stop the buses and the people ran out into amongst the community? 
what would have happened if they did have the virus? Would it not have spread? It's amazing what people do when they're afraid. In China, fear continues to mount. The infections continue to rise. President Xi said on Friday that the epidemic peak has not yet arrived and that the situation in Hubei and Wuhan remains grim and complex. The Chinese government has placed tens of millions of people under quarantine in central Hubei province and restricted movements in other centers. They've closed all schools. I spoke to my mother in China, and it's quite interesting. If you've been to China, normally there's no way you can drive because traffic is ter it's really terrible. But if you look on the internet and you see some photos of these massive cities with five, maybe six-lane highways, not one car on the road. And same thing, she said to me that there are no cars on the roads. People are staying at home. All the schools are closed. Schools tend to be, well, the parents would send all their schools to a communal school, as would be like a boarding school, and the kids would stay there and then come back on holidays. All the schools are, are closed. The people, the children are staying at home and trying to do education through the internet. The banks were closed, businesses were closed. She was saying to me that the, governments are sub the government is subsidizing um, businesses' rent because they can't work, and they forced the, the, the companies to close. There have been some news reports of police in the Hubei province going from house to house checking to see if anyone may be infected with the virus. If identified, some of these people are forcibly removed to detention centers or medical facilities, if there's space in medical facilities. The people are lining, uh, living in constant fear of one, getting the coronavirus, or if you may have some other type of infection, maybe just a normal cold or flu or cough, and have elevated temperatures hauled off by the police to a detention center where you may get the coronavirus. <coughs> Being a communist government, with all power residing with the main one man, President Xi, the local government in Wuhan have been criticized for not warning the population earlier. Dr. Li Wen uh, Liang, tried to warn fellow medics in December the 30th, on December the 30th, about this virus. In a chat group, he was trying to warn them to wear protective clothing, as he noticed seven cases that looked like the SARS virus, uh, which affected China in 2003. <clears throat> Four days later, he was summoned to the Public Security Bureau, where he was told to sign a letter in the letter, he was accused of making false comments that had false comments that had se severely disturbed the social order. He was one of eight people, or who police has said they had uh, they had under investigation for spreading rumours. 
Local, uh, local authorities later apologized to Dr. Lee. On the 30th of January, Dr. Lee was diagnosed with the coronavirus, and he died of the virus. There is speculation on the date of his death, because originally his death was announced on the internet and then withdrawn, and a, a later date was then uh, posted. This caused a wave of anger with many people taking to social media to vent their anger against the government. Many of these comments were quickly censored and hundreds of thousands of comments were deleted. The handling of the coronavirus is the biggest threat to President Xi's political career. He has successfully surrounded himself with people who are loyal to him, and he managed to change the Chinese constitution, which only allowed a leader to rule for two terms in office, to allow him to rule for the rest of his life. Wuhan city mayor said he needed clearance to release critical information which all Chinese people were entitled to receive. President Xi got rid of two top Communist Party officials as a result of this handling of the coronavirus, and he replaced them with protégés of Mr. Xi, who had extensive backgrounds in public security. It appears that the most powerful man in China may have some fear about his political future. So, we talked a little bit about fear. So what is fear? What is fear? My Oxford Dictionary describes it as follows. Painful emotion caused by impending danger or evil. State of alarm, dread, and reverence. Fear is an emotion. It's an emotion that each and every one of us has. It's a very strong emotion. And that emotion, that strength of that emotion affects each one of us very, very, very severely. Doctors estimate that it takes between six to eight months for a baby to start exhibiting fear. It normally starts exhibiting fear through facial expressions and, and crying, especially when they are separated from the primary caregiver, like the mother. We all fear something. Some people may fear death. And this is known as thanatophobia. Others may be afraid of the dark. Nyctophobia. Maybe spiders. What's that? Arachnophobia. Ah, I think we have one in the audience. <laughs> or maybe our snakes. Ophidiophobia. Or the fear of flying. Aerophobia. There are, there are a myriad of phobias out there. But ask yourself the question where does fear come from? When we read the King James Bible, 
there are generally two definitions for fear, for the word fear. The first definition is found is in verses like the following. Let's turn to our first verse today, which is Psalm 111. <clears throat> Psalm 111. And we're looking at verse 10. 111 and verse 10. Okay. This is a very famous and very popular verse, and most people know it. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding have all they that do His commandments. His praise endureth forever. The fear of the Lord. Okay, and if you just go over to the next couple of pages to like uh, Proverbs chapter 1, it says something very, very similar. Proverbs chapter 1. Proverbs chapter 1, just a couple of pages over. Verse 7. It says there, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. The meaning of fear here means reverence or to revere. My Oxford Dictionary definition for revere is regard as sacred or exalted, hold in deep and unusual, affectionate or religious respect, venerate. So one meaning of the word fear is to revere, to hold exalted, to, and that's typically a Applied to God, and to hold a high and high, hold Him in high estate, uh, to revere Him, to worship Him. So that's the one meaning of the, fe- the word fear. The other meaning is what we normally associate with fear, is which what I described early, earlier, about a strong emotion, about uh, uh, impending doom and evil. Genesis is the book of beginnings. And in in chapter 1 and 2, we see that God created the world. He created the plants, He created the animals, and He also created man. He created Adam in His own image. And when He created Adam, He also created uh, Eve. He gave him a wife. And He placed him in a beautiful, beautiful garden uh, to live in and to tend the garden. He gave Adam dominion and rule over the earth. He gave him dominion and rule over the animals and the plants. Adam and Eve lived a perf- in a perfect environment. And there was no fear present in them. God gave Adam only one commandment. And that commandment was not to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. <coughs> And he gave a warning, and he said that if you ate of that tree, he would surely die. Now imagine Adam and Eve in the garden with all the animals around them. And maybe Adam and Eve and were walking, maybe with T-Rex. <laughs> and Adam says to T-Rex, he says, Hey, T-Rex. I'm a little tired at the moment. You know, let me ride on top of your head. 
for a little while. And there T-Rex bows down his head, and Adam and Eve climb on top of his head, and they continue on their journey. Uh, just as if Adam was climbing on top of a camel. The evening arrives, and Adam says to Mr. and Mrs. Lion, you know, this, this ground is not that comfortable. Hey, come lie down over here. We just lie on top of your beautiful warm fur, you know, and we, we, we just sit down there and we can just lie together and, you know, be nice and warm and all that for um, even myself. And then Mr. Lion goes down and Mrs. Lion lying down there and they, they put their nice head on that nice mane that they have. It's so nice and comfortable, beautiful pillow. No problem. Next morning, Adam wakes up. Uh, and they're at the shore on the beach. And they say, oh, we'll go for a swim. And oh, there they see Mr. Great White. And say, ah, oh, Mr. Great White, you know, I just want to go around the, around the bay. Let me just grab hold of your, your dorsal fin and we'll go for a little cruise around the thing. Mr. Great White obliges, takes him around, brings him back. And then safely, at the end of the day, returns him back. Adam had dominion over all the, all the animals and could communicate with all the animals. And they would obey him because God had given them the dominion to do that. And there was no fear in Adam and there was no fear in Eve of any of the animals. We, may, we, we fear animals at the moment. I mean, you wouldn't put your hand in a crocodile's mouth by any chance, but <clears throat> they would do that freely and there would be no problem. There was no impending evil. There was no impending danger. And there was no state of alarm. There was perfect harmony in the garden. So where did fear come from? Okay. We'll turn to our first, uh, third scripture. Genesis, Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3. Right in the beginning. And we're going to read from verse 1 to verse 19. Genesis chapter 3, from verse 1 to verse 19. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said unto the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die, for God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for, the, for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof, and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. And the eyes of them both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together, and made themselves aprons. And they heard the voice of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord, God, amongst the trees of the garden. 
And the Lord called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden and was afraid, because I was naked, and I hid myself. And he said, Who told thee that thou wast naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree whereof I commanded thee that thou shouldst not eat? And the man said, The woman whom thou gavest to me, uh, gavest with me, gave us to be with me, she gave me the tr- of the tree, and I did eat. And the Lord said unto the woman, What is this that thou hast done? And the woman said, The serpent beguiled me, and I did eat. And the Lord said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle, and above every beast of the field. Upon thy belly shalt thou go, and dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. And I'll put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. Unto the woman he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. In sorrow thou shalt bring forth children, and thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. And unto Adam he said, Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten of the tree of which I commanded, uh, commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it. Cursed is a ground for thy sake. In sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. Thorns also and thistles shall it bring forth to thee, and thou shalt eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread, till thou return into, unto the ground, for out of it wast thou taken. For dust thou thou art, and unto dust shalt thou return. This passage of scripture is described uh, is uh, known as um, the fall of man, or describes the fall of man. So, if you just turn back to Genesis chapter two, verses fifteen to seventeen, just a couple of just one page back. Genesis chapter 2, verses 15. And the Lord God took the man and put him into the garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest eat freely, uh, may it freely eat. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. We see God giving Adam one simple commandment. Not to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For in the day that he ate of it, he would surely die. Remember, Eve was not yet created. Adam's role was to educate Eve on that simple commandment. And also to defend her against the tax. Now if we look back at forward at chapter 3 verse 1 which we just read earlier it says here now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made and he said unto the woman yea hath God said 
ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. We see that the serpent approached the woman and not the man with a question, yea, hath God said. In verse 3, we see the woman adds to God's commandment by adding, touching the tree, uh, a touching of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So if you look at verse 3, it says here, uh, but the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, ye shall not eat of it, and then she adds, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. In verse 4, again we see Satan questioning the punishment of breaking God's commandments. In verse 4 he says, The serpent said to the woman, Ye shall not surely die. Questioning. He continued. He, so he, he, he's, in a way he's lying. He's lying to, to Eve. He's saying, Ye shall not die. God said, You shall die. You shall not die. He continued to lie to her in verse 5. It says, For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be open, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. In verse 4, Satan added one word. God said, ye shall surely die. What did Satan say? Ye shall not surely die. Added one word. One word. In verse 5, the first part is true. God did know that if you ate of the tree of, um, uh, of good and evil, the eyes would be open. So if you look at verse 5, he said, For God doth know that in the day that you eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened. Then what does he do? He adds again, And ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. That was a lie. The second part is a pure lie. Why? He said you'd be like God, knowing good and evil. The problem is, God is good. And there's no evil in him. God does not know evil. God has no knowledge of evil. He has no knowledge of sin. He's good. So that is a lie. If we look at Psalm 5, just look at Psalm 5. <clears throat> this just emphasizes the point. Psalm chapter 5 and verse 4. Psalm chapter 5, verse 4. And it says here, For thou art not a God that hath pleasure in wickedness, neither shall evil dwell with thee. So evil does not dwell with God. There is no evil in God. So that's a blatant lie by Satan. Eve believed the lie. Eve believed Satan over her husband. Her husband was a God-given authority. And she was deceived. And she ate of the fruit of the tree Good and evil, of the knowledge of good and evil. We look at this, where this is emphasized again in 1 Timothy, 
1 Timothy chapter 2. 1 Timothy chapter 2. So what does this say? It shows that Eve was deceived. 1 Timothy chapter 2 verses 13 says, For Adam was first formed, then Eve. Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived was in the transgression. If we go back to Genesis chapter 3, I also want to make something very clear. Genesis chapter 3 verse 6. And I want to read that as well. This is all in, in, in relationship to this deception about uh, Eve being deceived and Adam not. So if we read this verse again, it says, And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that was pleasant to the eyes, and the tree to be desired in, uh, to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her. And he did eat. Adam was right there next to Eve. He was not deceived. He should have corrected his wife. He should have corrected the serpent. He should have stopped the serpent. But he did not. He did not. He willfully ate of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He willfully did it. when they did eat of the tree, of the fruit, the eyes were open, and they knew that they were naked. And they sowed fig leaves to cover their nakedness. So if we look at verse 8 and 9. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden, in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord amongst the trees of the garden. And the Lord called unto Adam, and he said unto him, Where art thou? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid, because I was naked, and hid myself. If you look at particularly in verse 10, this is the first time you see Adam being afraid. First time in creation that man was afraid. He feared God. It was not the reverence fear of God. He had a painful emotional of uh, had painful emotion of impending danger or evil. He feared in the sense that we normally know fear is. He tried to hide from the face of God. He knew that he had done wrong. And he feared God's judgment on him. This passage also gives us some insight into what people do when they fear. If you look at verse 10, Adam said, um, I was afraid because I was naked. Well, what people do is when they're afraid is they try to lie. Adam was lying. He was not naked. Look at verse 7. What does verse 7 say? 
And the eyes of them both were opened, and they knew they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made them aprons. They were no longer naked. They had some clothing on. They had fig leaves to cover their nakedness, so they were not naked. So when someone is experiencing fears, fear, one of the first things they try to do is to try to lie to get out of it. You can ask a little kid. When you see a little kid, and you say, did you do that? Did you do that? And what do they say? No, no, it wasn't me. It was. We do that. We all do that. So that's something we can learn from Scripture straight away. If lying doesn't work, then they go to the next stage. The next stage. It's, if you read verse 11 to 13, it says, And he said, Who told thee that thou wast naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree whereof I commanded thee that thou shouldst not eat? The man said, The woman whom thou gavest to be with me, she gave me of the tree, and I did eat. And the Lord said unto the woman, What is this that thou hast done? And the woman said, The serpent beguiled me, and I did eat. Second thing people try to do, pass the buck. Pass the buck. In verse 12, we see that Adam said, saying to God, This woman, this woman which you gave me, you gave it to me, caused me to sin. You gave this woman to me, that's why I sinned. So God, it's your fault. It's not my fault. You gave it to me. But Adam is very, very quick to forget something. Just turn back to Genesis chapter 2 and verse 23. You're right very close. Just one page back. And what did Adam say when God brought him his wife? When he brought Eve to him. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Totally different, isn't it? Different. And that didn't just reside with Adam as well. Eve did the same thing. She said, to try to pass back onto the serpent, she said, uh, the serpent, the serpent beguiled me. That's why I ate of the tree. If, if you took a poll, just throughout, say, Australia, or anywhere in the world, Melbourne, you know, Sydney, or Wuhan, or wherever you want to take a poll of people around the world, and ask them, what is your greatest fear? What is your greatest fear? What do you think the results would be? I suppose it might depend on where you are. If you were in China, maybe a large percentage would say, fear the coronavirus, we're going to get sick. You know? Others might be fearing loss of their work. You know, um, economic situation is becoming bad. How do I support my family? Others might be worried getting to pensionable age and say, well, how are we going to afford to live? You know, things are getting more and more expensive. Maybe in some places, like South Africa, you might be worried about crime. You know, um, crime rates very high there. And, um, you know, um, you might be worried about crime. You know, those all might be high on the agenda for most people. Some people say, oh, the education system's going, or health care, or I can't afford health care, and stuff like that. 
But I'll ask you one question. How many people do you think would say, I fear the judgment that is coming when Jesus returns? How many would say, I fear the lake of fire where I'll burn for all eternity? I would hazard to say that probably no one in the survey would think that way. No one. But I want you to turn to Revelation chapter 6. The fears that we're experiencing today is nothing like a fear that is going to happen in the coming days. Look at Revelation chapter 6, verses 12 to 17. And we'll just read that and imagine. Revelation chapter 6, verse 12. And I beheld when he had opened the sixth seal, and lo, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth of hair, and the moon became as blood, and the stars of heaven fell unto the earth, even as a fig tree casteth her untimely figs, when she is shaken of a mighty wind, and the heaven departed as a scroll, when it is rolled together, and every mountain and island were moved out of their places, and the kings of the earth, and the great men, and the rich men, and the chief captains, and the mighty men, and every bondman, and every free man, hid themselves in the dens and in the rocks of the mountains. And they said to the mountains and rocks, Fall on us, and hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne, from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of his wrath is come, and who is able to stand? Imagine that. Every single person on earth would want mountains and rocks to fall on them, to cover them and hide them from the face of Almighty God. Imagine that. That is the fear that surpasses every single fear that we may even experience now. And yet no one, no one even thinks about that. Imagine the fear in that great day. The question one has to ask is, is there a way of escaping that fear of that great day? And not only that great day, but the fears that we encounter from day to day. The answer is yes. The answer is yes. When Adam and Eve sinned against God, they lost their innocence and broke the relationship and fellowship with God. They realized that they were naked before God. And they tried through their own efforts, using fig leaves to cover their nakedness. But God, who is perfect law, required the shedding of blood to cover the sin and transgression. So if we look at Genesis, back to Genesis chapter 3. And we look at verse 21. Genesis chapter 3, verse 21. And unto Adam also, and to his wife, did the Lord God make coats of skins and clothe them. 
God slayed a perfectly innocent lamb to provide a covering for Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve are of a picture of you and me. Each and every one of us hath broken God's perfect law. Each one of us has lied in the past, stolen in the past, used the Lord's name in vain, we've coveted, we've committed adultery. Now you say, oh, no, I never did that one. Well, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, verses uh, uh, 28, He says, Whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery. Sin does not take place only in our flesh, but also in our hearts, in our thoughts, in our minds. And because each one of us has sinned and stand naked before God, God provided a perfect sacrifice for us to make atonement for our sins. We could not do it on our own. All the false religions out there says you can work your way to God. But there is no way that you can blot out the sin that you've already done. doesn't matter if I'm perfect from here onwards. The sin from the past still holds me in judgment to God. God sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to this earth. Jesus Christ lived a sinless life and died on that old rugged cross at Calvary to make atonement for your sin and for my sin, for the sin of the whole world. And He offers that free gift to you now. You may either accept it or you may reject it. If you accept that gift, you will have peace and you will have no fear. How do we know that? Turn to 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4. <clears throat> 1 John chapter 4. One, 1 John chapter 4. Verse 7. 1 John chapter 4, verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God, and knoweth God. He that loveth not, knoweth not God, for God is love. In this was manifested the love of God towards us, because that God sent His only begotten Son into the world, that we... Might, uh, might live through him. Here in his love, uh, here in his love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation of our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. No man hath seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us, and his love is perfected in us. Hereby know we that we dwell in him, and he in us, because he hath given us of his Spirit. And we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Saviour of the world. Whosoever shall confess Jesus is, is the Son of God, God dwelleth in him, and he in God. And we know, have known 
and believe that love of God hath towards us. God is love. And he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. Herein is our love made perfect, perfect, that we may have a boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so we are in his will, in this world. Here's an important verse. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. Perfect love casteth out fear. Friend, if you, do, if you do not believe in Jesus Christ as your Savior, then you have reason to fear. You do not have perfect love. You do not have forgiveness. And judgment awaits you. Like a sword above your head, waiting to rele be released at any time. It stands above you, waiting to judge you. Why do you wish to live in fear every day of your life? Trust in the Lord Jesus and be saved. And let that perfect love of Christ cast away your fears. Why live in torment day by day when the blood of Jesus Christ can make you free? Free from fear. Free to have fellowship with God and an eternal home with Him. Brethren, believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, do you still fear? I want to leave you with some scripture verses to help you to cast away your fears, being a child of God. When you're a child of God, you should not have fears because you have the perfect love of Christ. Turn to 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6. <clears throat> If you're a child of God, this verse will, will be for you. 1, Chief chapter five, uh, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6 says, humble yourselves, before, uh, humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God, that He may exalt you in due time. And verse 7 says, cast all your care upon Him, for He careth for you. As a child of God, God cares for you. He cares for each and every one of us. And he says, cast your cares upon him. Cast your cares upon him. Because he cares for you. God cares for his own precious child. And when you've trusted Christ as your Savior, you've become his precious child. And the last Bible verse we're going to read is from John chapter 15, Lord Jesus himself speaking. John chapter 15, verses 22. <clears throat> John chapter 15, verse 22 says, If I had not come and spoken unto you, If I had not come and spoken unto them, they had not sinned. But now they sin. Uh, now they have no cloak for their sin. He that hateth me hateth my father also. 
if I had not done, um, done among them the works which neither other man did, they had not had sin. But now have they both seen and hated both me and my father. But this cometh, but this cometh to pass that the word might be fulfilled that is written in their law. They hated me without a cause. But when the Comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me, and ye also shall bear witness of me. Uh, witness and ye shall also bear witness, because ye have been with me from the beginning. Jesus alone can give you peace. He provides you a comforter. He tells you not to be troubled. He tells you not to be afraid. If you put your faith and trust and hope in any one or anything besides Jesus Christ, then you have reason to be fearful. If you trust the government, they will fail you. If you trust your own strength, it will fail. If you trust anyone or anything aside from Jesus Christ, then you have reason to fear. But if you have faith and trust in Jesus Christ and cast all your fears upon Him, then you have no reason to fear. There is rest and peace only in Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.